Well, good evening and welcome. <laughs> welcome, my uh, my sexy little podcasty bastards, um, to an impromptu uh, new episode of A Thompson and Other Disappointments. This one is a uh, it's a fuck this week episode, which if you're unfamiliar with these ones, it's just me talking to myself. There's no no guest. And I'm basically just going through the news of the week. And you know what? We're going to try and make sense of the senseless um or quite often senseless sometimes sometimes it makes sense and there's a glimmer of hope um and like we might at some stage return to something kind of resembling normal but most of the time not so much um big news uh today i read this morning was uh suella braverman the attorney general uh who defended the breaking of international law uh, with Brexit, I don't know how au fait some of you are or are not in terms of like the history of Brexit and, um, and and her name and her sort of career trajectory and all that. But she defended the breaking of international law when the government wanted to break it in a, do you remember, limited and specific way. That was the way that they, they worded it. They said, yeah, look, this will break international law. We, we concede that. Uh, but only in a limited and specific way. And so Q, obviously, you know, tens of thousands of memes of people, you know, saying like, well, yeah, you know, I, I broke the speed limit, but it's only in a limited and specific way. And um, and and there were people like me and maybe you on, on Twitter saying, well, you know, this is all very well and good if you are breaking a law to reach your political goals. But is there no forethought here in terms of the repercussions, like of what this could spell for not just for this government you know i'd celebrate it if it was just this government if it was like uh if it if it was limited to just this could make things really awkward for the johnson administration in you know two weeks or four months or a year's time when they need to rely on an international law if it was just that i would just sit back with a fucking popcorn wanking myself silly certain that they were going to get themselves into that sort of problem where they would say well you can't do that because it's international law and and then somebody quite rightly turns around and goes well hang on a second <laughs> you fucking flushed international law down the toilet when you were trying to get your brexit shit over the line so by all means go fuck yourself um if it was just down to to uh, the johnson administration i would be celebrating it but no it is it's britain as a whole it is the reputation of uh, of the united kingdom flushed down the toilet um, in terms of like what I mean what who could take the UK seriously after we've broken international law <laughs> and like broken domestic law arguably by lying to the Queen to prorogue unnecessarily just to get the shit over the line like I mean no we have no credibility on the world stage whatsoever any longer and I think this was this this actually sort of played out uh, only a few weeks after the Suella Braverman public defense of breaking international law when Dominic Raab who was then foreign secretary attempted to take a, a hard line on fuck me I can't remember what country it was now but he attempted to take this sort of you know almost presidential stance of something like they need to really seriously ask themselves some questions if they're comfortable breaking international law and people people like me were reading this shit from Dominic Raab a, a key member, certainly at that time, of the Johnson administration, pretending that international law meant something to them only mere fucking weeks after they'd willfully broken international law for their own ends. So, uh, yeah, it, it stands to reason that if you're going to break a, a international agreements like that, 
you can't rely on them yourself. You can't, and you can't be seen to be then um, championing them in a, in a different scenario. It's like, well, which is it? Do you respect international law or do you not respect it and break it at will? Um, so Suella Braverman's been back in, in the news. And the reason that she's been in the news is not because she's seen the light and the, seen the error of her ways and she's resigned and, and said, you know what, that was all a bit, that was a bit wild. I got a bit caught up in all the flags and the poppies and shit. And now I see that actually defending that was, I mean, it was indefensible. And as a lawyer, I should have probably stuck up for the law. She hasn't done any of that. She's in the news again because the fucking, the statue in Bristol, the protesters who were then uh, charged and put through the the judicial system uh, with the intention of prosecuting them for criminal damage, or ostensibly prosecuting them for being on the wrong side of the culture war. Um, she's come out and saying, said, after they've been acquitted, after this jury have listened to their cases and their reasons and their history and all, all of the contributing factors and the nuances of the case, the jury have reached a verdict and said, not guilty. And Suella Braverman, as Attorney General, has stepped in and said, I think people might find this confusing and I think I need to step in. <laughs> the Attorney General there of uh, the Johnson administration deciding to step in because the law she feels people might find this confusing. Uh, they didn't find breaking international law confusing. That was that was totally above board. That was fine, not confusing at all. But a jury reaching a verdict is that is oh, well might need to might need to step in here and meddle. You know, <laughs> it's like. Demonising juries is now okay. Judges are going to be asked to look at this statue and the case uh, to review whether the jury made the right decision. That's what Suella Braverman is is suggesting, is that she's going to ask judges to to look at it and review. Um, I like the idea that when judges fuck with Brexit, they're meddling enemies of the people. But when a jury reaches a verdict that sits outside of the parameters of your culture war nonsense, then it's let's get our esteemed judges to take a look at this. You know, like, you can't demonise judges one minute and then ask for their help the next. I don't think it works like that, you know? If you don't respect judges and you say that they're enemies of the state, effectively, and enemies of the people, I don't think you then get to turn around six months or a year later or or however long it's been and say, yeah, these guys know what they're doing. (laughs) Like, let's get their their thoughts on it. Um... And you can't break international law and then pretend anyone's going to take your opinion seriously on whether the law was interpreted right, like going forward, right? Like, I mean, are you on fucking glue? If that's, <laughs> if that, like, how can you not see that these two things would conflict? You know, like we could marvel at this shit all day. The the infant school level rollout of short termist reward chasing, just this this base level instinct to chase your reward with no consideration for the long-term implications or repercussions. Like, break international law? Sure. Do you think it might trash our credibility, though, when we next need to, you know, reference the fucking law? No, no, don't, don't, don't worry about that. That's not... That is not this. This and now is all I can handle. This moment right now and my goals right in this second. They have the, they have the patience... And the measured consideration of a fucking heroin addict, don't they? That that immediate need for gratification or success in that 
that momentary goal. Like, hey, you know, if you steal your mum's television and sell your vagina, you might unresolvably hate yourself forever. I don't care because that is not this. (laughs) That is not this. I need this right now. Jack me up. Give, Give daddy his medicine. You know, it's like that immediate need for gratification. I don't know. Do, do do we think Suella Braverman actually cares about a fucking statue? Do we? This is like... This is a Cambridge-educated lawyer. <laughs> this is not like just some, you know, dappy, pub, bore, culture war, blighty, blighty type person. This is a highly educated lawyer. I feel like she's... <coughs> excuse me. She's sort of playing Boris Johnson's culture war for her own career's sake, you know? That's the vibe I get. Because this smacks of Boris Johnson, doesn't it? I always say Johnson is essentially three words. He is symbolism over substance. And as far as Johnson is concerned, that this isn't about the law or the specifics of the law that was broken. It's just a usual Johnsonian bollocks about statues, flags, Britishness, poppies the queen the national anthem like the, the calculation is that if you talk up symbolism if you rant about flags and statues in a dock you can get the mail and talk radio to belch about that rather than a dodgy number 10 flat refurb and lies about whatsapp messages and illegal christmas parties and second jobs and and so on but the trouble is right here's here's my my thought on this the trouble is, it, it might work initially, again, like in the short term. <laughs> That's all they understand is short-termist goal chasing. So it might work initially. But here's the issue. People don't like the idea of a load of Wokies throwing British history in the river. They don't like that. But they really don't like the idea of being taken for mugs, I would say. Yeah, like out of out of 100, like rating, if you rated it out of 100... People hate the woke shit about a 40, I reckon. But being taken for mugs, I reckon that's about a 70 or 80. Nobody likes being taken for a mug. Uh, Or almost nobody. Some people are just too stupid to realise that they're being taken for a mug. That's a big thing. But I still think about a 70 or 80 out of 100 hate being taken for mugs. And, and being f- like feeling like there's one rule for them and another rule for us or like the governing party are all a bunch of corrupt assholes. People fucking hate that shit. That's why the second job stuff blew up so much and the secret Christmas parties and the rule breaking and Cummings, that stuff lights a fire. It's like... Boom. But, you know, a statue in the river is like... It upsets some guy in the pub somewhere and he gets to wave a little Union Jack flag about it. But it's not the same. It's not in the same league, to my mind, anyway. So, yeah, like a a headline here and a phone in there might serve them well for a day when it comes to like a statue thing. But here's the thing, right? So the broad shitness of being fundamentally corrupt integrity bins is just there. It's just that's who they are. That's this government. (laughs) Fundamentally corrupt integrity bins. And they can try and bat it away with like bitty stories about a statue or prince harry like if they want but it's kind of like it's it's very piecemeal it's not enough to get rid of the whole fundamentally corrupt cheating integrity bin thing because that's who they are that thing is them and it stays so it's kind of like 
them trying to bat it away with these like little stories about a statue or somebody not wearing a poppy or like it's like a cheating husband trying to win back some points by criticizing his wife's parking you know it's like he's done there's a really bad thing there like you know and then he he tries to even the score a little bit like yeah well can you can you stop parking like half in and half out because it's really inconsiderate his wife's like oh yeah we could you stop lying and cheating on your whole family and spending our rent money on flowers for that fucking whore and coming home with empty balls trying to pretend that me parking a bit weird is also a very bad thing? So, that, like, now we're even Stevens. Fuck yourself, Greg. You know, that's, maybe I'm maybe I'm digging into something there. Maybe I'm projecting or something. That's not my life. Anyway, I'm not a cheating husband and, uh, and, uh, and my name's not Greg, so... Uh, but yeah, like apart from anything else, how weird is it that they're willing to upend and horsefuck British law? Like this government are willing to dilute the and and disrespect and uh, and effectively jeopardise British law, questioning a jury's decision. Right, that is we're we're breaching the perimeter here of what is considered one of the pillars of democracy when you look at like the what the separation of church and state and you look at um uh that the government shouldn't interfere in the judiciary so separate separate judiciary separate um government and i i can't remember i'm i'm sure i'm butchering how those things are defi- defined but i'm also sure that a government meddling in the judiciary is not cool and they're willing to let that genie out of the bottle over a clump of iron in Bristol. <laughs> they don't do shit about so many other things that urgently need the government to step in, maybe into the judiciary. They don't do, they're like, oh, well, the law's the law. You know, in those in those situations, it's like, well, what are you going to do? Like donor laws, lobbying laws, first past the post, rape cases, dead fucking refugee children. They could not give a fuck less. So yeah, like they 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 care more about statues at the bottom of a dock than dead kids at the bottom of a channel. That is actually where we're at. That's the priority for the people who are elected to serve us. <laughs> is a clump of iron over a human being. Like how fucked is this? If it if it turned out that iron statues got the vote, <laughs> like they get to vote in the next general election. Wouldn't you be like, yeah, this makes, this actually makes perfect sense now. (laughs) That's why the government have been sticking up for them so much. They're trying to win them over, get a few extra votes from the statue populace. I don't know. It's a whole, like, like, is anyone else so fucking bored of the culture war stuff? It's such a distraction and so boring now. It's like whenever the government get in hot water, uh, about a Christmas party or about <clears throat> about lost WhatsApp messages or something miraculously crops up in the Daily Mail or the Express or, you know, Radio 4 Today or like something comes up where they're like, well, I just think this this tells us that Britain is heading in a very difficult direction, you know, and it's like, does it is that really what it tells us because what it tells me is that we're not looking at what is actually important we're not looking at corruption we're not looking at lies we're not looking at um 
breaking the ministerial code. We're not looking at the integrity of parliament. We're not looking at laws that urgently need re-examining. Instead, what we're doing is talking about fucking poppies again. Or like whether the proms are going to play Rule Britannia. Or, you know, all of this w- weird like Britishy super sovereignty stuff. Like it's all such a distraction. And it only ever seems to come up when there's actually a serious problem in the news. Which I know, look, that makes me sound a little bit, a little bit tinfoil hat. So it's like, oh shit, we're in trouble again. Quick, wheel out a story about fucking, I don't know, Prince Harry or like, do you think it's that coordinated? I don't know. I feel like it might be. I don't want to get too conspiracy theorist about it, but I feel like there's someone behind the scenes maybe pulling the strings like that. It's been a weird week for COVID as well. Um, I saw this morning in the news that uh, the army have been brought in to help with the Omicron spread of Omicron and treatments of it and I mean the army aren't spreading Omicron they're not like (laughs) helping with the spread of Omicron you know what I mean Um, the army must be fucking exhausted like is this is this why we withdrew them so haphazardly from Afghanistan (laughs) we're like yeah all this all this training and guarding translators is that's cute but we've got some real army work for you guys they're like what's what's that well you gotta report to wexham park hospital in slough oh god imagine that like how's how is that for a morale booster for exhausted soldiers (laughs) going to slough you come back off tour Having seen your friends blown to pieces, IEDs have got you shaking in your sleep and you just want to return to normality. And in the time you went away, your country's basically turned into 1930s Germany. The first job they give you when you get back is moving ventilators around a piss-stained corridor in Slough. Fuck my life. They must be exhausted, though. And they get brought in to do all the shitty jobs. Have you noticed that? It's like bringing the army into something is the new Boris Johnson to take personal charge of you know it's one of those headlines it's supposed to make you feel more secure it's been like um it's been tested with uh, uh like focus groups and you know they <coughs> oh excuse me i'm going to have a quick sip of beer guys excuse me hold on um it's one of those headlines they test they soundboard against people and they go would you feel more confident if you heard this sentence or would you feel less confident if you heard this one and then they feed it out to the tabloids and so when they publish shit like the prime minister will take personal charge of you're supposed to then feel uh reassured i suppose it doesn't really work for Boris Johnson because every time he takes personal charge of anything, it ends up in some fucking unholy Tasmanian devil of tomfuckery situation. Um, seems to descend into chaos at every every possible juncture. Um, but yeah, they do see like when when they publish the, the like the headline "Army brought in to" or "British military brought in to help X Y Z." It's like maybe that's the new one because the old one doesn't work for boris johnson maybe this is a new one it's just occurring to me now but they do get brought in to do like all the shitty jobs that is inarguably the case you know like if if like with brexit like if, if petrol's running low 
bring in the army. Covid testings stopped because of fucking delays at Dover. We're bringing in the army. Hospital staff shortages now. Bring in the like. I love the uh, the idea that we put British army personnel in hospital wards, <laughs> army guys in hospital wards, and the head nurse would be like, "Who the fuck are you?" <laughs> the guy would be like, "I'm a second lieutenant, and uh, these are my two cadets here." head nurse would be like, can you help me save this father of two's life? And these army guys are like, no, no, no we kill people. <laughs> That's like the opposite of what you want. <laughs> Why are you here then? I, I don't know. Um, we just get wheeled into these shitty jobs. Like, I mean, we should get going, really. There's a statue somewhere that we need to SAS parachute into and shoot some protesters and save the statue from them at all costs. Mixing some COVID and some uh, culture war shit there for you guys. Bit of a callback. You're welcome. Majid Nawaz was in the news yesterday. Um... If you're not familiar with Majid Nawaz, he was an LBC uh, presenter. I, I realised I said he was, like, really defined there, like he's just passed away. He's not, as far as I know. I mean, he might be dead as as of now. I hope not, because I really hate deleting episodes. And I don't... This is getting really dark, I know. But, like, if he did kill himself, and then I've talked about it here, it would kind of half be really bad taste. But also, I don't. I didn't know that at the time. So it would be kind of cool, like very prescient. Maybe that prescience would be the thing that would propel this podcast into superstardom. So I'd be a fool to do... Anyway, look, I'm going off on a bit of a tangent here. Majid Nawaz was... Um, he, he, got, he ostensibly got fired yesterday, I think. Uh, and that's kind of funny. You know, people, people call him Majid like people call Johnson Boris. You know, first name. Like he's their mate. Majid. Majid said this on the weekend. Boris did this the other day. Nobody ever called Theresa May Theresa, did they? Have you noticed that? It's Boris, it's Majid, but it's not Theresa. This is weird. Probably because, like, literally nobody considered her their friend, I suppose. It's quite the, quite the uniter, really, isn't it? In these deeply divided times. Almost every major issue, policy or scandal. You can cut the polls down the middle. Like the shit's a fucking alien autopsy. Come out 51 to 49 on, on basically everything. <laughs> Unless YouGov did a poll. Like, would you like to be Theresa May's friend? And then it would have been almost 100%. Like, no. No thanks. Like, unanimous. <laughs> Family grudges that started 30 years ago could have been bridged from that starting point. Like, do you do you still hate your brother? Yes, I do. He supports Everton. I support Liverpool. Oh, God. Okay. Do you both at least fancy the same kind of woman? No, he likes Thai women and I like blondes with lipstick. Oh, fuck's sake. Have you got anything in common? Anything that we can start from? Do either of you want to be Theresa May's friend? Fucking no. Let's start from there, guys. Nawaz got let go or didn't have his contract renewed by LBC. And LBC put out a tweet 
saying that from immediate effect he'd be gone. And uh, and I can't imagine this isn't related to his kind of weird stances on vaccines and lockdowns and you know like he's he did a few shows and I've I only listened to him sparingly but even I caught a few of his comments and uh, monologues where he was talking about uh, like questioning the sense of lockdown and um, uh, I forget if I've heard him really rip into vaccines or question vaccines or. Or anything but I gather uh, or at least my my understanding is that he is or has expressed vaccine skeptic views and stuff and I can't imagine that him being let go or falling out with LBC isn't in some way related to it uh, and I don't think his his feeling like his questioning of lockdowns or his uh, supposed skepticism of vaccines uh, is that weird I don't think it's that abnormal anymore, you know? Like, it feels a bit weird because he's a broadcaster and he's seen, <clears throat> excuse me, at least historically, as a sort of, you know, he was a Liberal Democrat candidate back in the day. Uh, so he's seen as a sort of progressive, uh, left-leaning voice. And so for somebody like him to kind of align himself with something that was traditionally found on the American right, in terms of, like, the anti-vax movement, it's... Uh, you know, it's strange to to see him go down that road, isn't it? Like, do you remember, do you remember when anti-vax movement was genuinely just a sort of fringe group of sibling fuckers on the American right? Like, you'd have to hunt those fuckers down somewhere in a mining town in the middle of bumblefuck nowhere. And now we all know someone who's at least like vaccine skeptic, <laughs> don't we? We all know at least one person who's kind of bought into that shit. Like whatever you think of the anti-vax movement, we can all agree, fantastic marketing, really good at getting people into it. Jehovah's Witnesses must be fucking livid. Like <laughs> imagine, imagine knocking on doors for 25 years, 25 years and you get like three people interested in your cult that whole time some group of rednecks think medicine is the devil's sperm start a facebook group and bam like five years later half the fucking world's like yeah i'm a card carrying pure blood fucking outrageous i'd kill for promo like the anti-vax movement have Majid Nawaz though is like he's quite an interesting character he's he was radicalized back in the day uh, as a sort of islamist islamic extremist um he was indoctrinated and he joined this terror group um called i think his 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 at i think from memory i no idea if i'm saying that right his his at to or or something along those lines not one of the big ones one of the smaller ones they could do with better branding um and he was arrested and imprisoned in egypt for like half a decade um over his role or his involvement in in some sort of terror activity or or something uh and then he left the group after like after he got out <coughs> excuse me um in 2007 and uh and then he started speaking out about radicalization and the causes of it and how to overcome it and i've listened to some of his shows in the past and i found him to be a really intelligent engaging and and at times witty uh presenter uh, with a really interesting backstory because i'm not i like i'm not islamic i don't 
I come from a very different walk of life to him and I'm I mean I'm always interested in hearing people's sort of you know life story and their background and their experiences and um it's just been since the pandemic that he's just kind of gone down this weird tin hat vaccine skeptic lockdown skeptic road and it got like it got me thinking how dumb do you have to be to get radicalized twice <laughs> you know like like, wouldn't you wouldn't you know the signs to look out for wouldn't you like think oh shit i remember when my mates were telling me back in the day magic you're sounding a bit crazy mate uh, going on about global conspiracies and organizations and dark institutions and like don't you want to come to the park magic just come and kick a ball around yeah come with the rest of us we're heading down there now and you just like reposition your foil hat like no i gotta stay in and uh consume more information about these godless fucking infidels you know like wouldn't you if you had that reference point if you recognized that behavior that you were going a little bit too deep into something like wouldn't you recognize that in yourself the second time so when people are like magic do you want to do a phone in about something else maybe <laughs> you've been going on about this like lockdown skeptic shit for quite a while like do you want to come to the pub with the staff for drinks instead or something? You know, no, no. I want to spread more misinformation and question the logic of locking down when it quite obviously reduces the spread and reduces the likelihood of more variants developing and allows us to track and trace again. And is still half as damaging as Brexit. And fuck all that. Let's do another hour of Magid wants shops open. So fuck your grand. The lines are open. Like, wouldn't you an outspoken critic of radicalization? And a supporter of de-radicalization and someone who's walked the walk and talked the talk. Wouldn't you recognize the signs in yourself that you're going a little bit off the deep end? I don't know. I mean, I've never been radicalized. So, I mean, other than by brew dog and uh, vaginas. Um, I mean, I'm a, I am a radical, unshakable cult-like lover of vaginas so it's who am i to judge some guys some guys like feet some guys are into thai women me my fetish is firmly vaginas they just they work for me guys i'm kooky like that um i actually had an interaction with uh sorry went off on a slightly weird tangent there apologies for that apologies for the for those of you who are true blue like political nerds and then i start talking about vaginas you're like what the fuck is this this all i'm gonna say is that this podcast is not oh god what now it's not romaniacs it's it's a guy expressing his thoughts about politics sometimes and yes i will go off on tangents um uh where was i imagine no was right yeah i i had a interaction with him one time uh he tweeted something at the comedian <clears throat> what's his name tez elias i think his name is uh no idea what it was it was some sort of like back and forth between the two of them uh, and the thing that that engaged me the thing that made me want to tweet back at him was the fact he referred to this tez guy as quote comedian right and i don't mean i'm quoting him saying comedian i mean he quoted the word comedian you must have seen people use that as a sort of shit insult you know they think that people think they're so smart when they use that when they see that you're a comedian and then they go huh he well apparently he's a 
comedian. You know, like they think it's the cleverest thing in the world. And what I said back to him was, I said, look, the the grand irony of when like opinionista journalists call a comedian comedian like that and they think it's like the cleverest thing is that actually switch it around most comedians when they see that laugh at the person who's saying it you know like because because there's a tragicness to it it's like it's oh i'm gonna say this and this is really clever this will cut him down because he thinks he thinks he's funny and if i say comedian then that ha that'll really show but it's like it's so tragic and overdone and not effective it's you know that this this individual clearly is a comedian so you can't say it as a matter of of opinion i better quote him because it's not it's not totally true so i'll quote that he's a comedian you know it's like it's there's there's layers of that to it but it just doesn't fucking work it doesn't land it doesn't cut anyone it just makes comedians look at you and go oh god a, another one of those is it uh, you know i used to like his show though i did you know i used to listen to it quite a lot uh from the drive from uh, like our old house into peckham and uh and back again he would always be on like as we were doing drop off like dropping my then baby boy off at my mother-in-law's for for a night or something and as, as i say i found him in, engaging intelligent uh very articulate it's just a shame when i was about to say when you meet people like that but I, i've never met him uh but when you when you come across people like that uh and you listen to them and they've obviously got an awful lot to offer to society and to media more specifically and then they go down this sort of slightly weird rabbit hole and it's like a loss isn't it it's like we've we've lost a an important left-leaning voice here who will now let's be real now he's been fired he'll probably go on a on a fucking speech tour about council culture and it'll play more into the right wing of politics and i suppose that's where the whole anti-woke thing has some uh what's the word so there's some stock in it in in a sense because by by being by embracing cancel culture if if i can bring myself to say that phrase um what we're doing is we're rejecting a as i said like an articulate uh, measured most of the time or until recently reasonable voice for the left we're rejecting that person from uh, from the like the, the the political discourse uh, and now what are we left with? Like, who's going to take his place as an articulate, as like an LBC presenter? Like, LBC is already, I mean, it's pretty, like, it leans right most of the time. You've got James O'Brien, and he's great. And Majid did some, God, I'm calling him Majid now. Uh, and Majid Nawaz did some great phone-ins about some, you know, some important topics. Uh, drug use, you know, abortions, and uh, the situation in Israel, and all, all of that stuff is really great. And it was great to have a left-leaning voice in there but now who takes that position it, like are we poorer as a result of removing him from from the political discourse i don't know the answer to that and so, and and when we get into a conversation about cancel culture like if we if we if there if he was let go as a result or if they negotiated his exit between them uh as a result of people um you know piling on and saying like when are you going to fire Majid Nawaz because he's preaching all of this blah 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 like is that something that we feel comfortable with if it if the output of it is that we lose 
a an articulate and at times witty and intelligent left-leaning voice i don't i don't know guys i'm unresolved on this one i suppose really this comes back to whether you consider cancel culture to be a real thing or if you see it as i do for 90 percent of the time as consequence culture you know like if if majid nawaz hadn't gone on lbc and started uh preaching the um uh, that that lockdowns were ineffective uh, or that you know again I'm not sure exactly what he said about vaccine skepticism and and all of that uh, but if if he had not if he had been a little bit more what's the word uh, responsible with what he was discussing and less about sort of attracting people to preach their nonsense on his show then he wouldn't have lost his contract he would still be on there um so yeah, I don't know. Sorry, that's not a particularly funny or fun uh, note to uh, to leave you on. But that's the end of uh, this episode of A. Thompson and Other uh, other Disappointments. I can't speak now. I've run out of words. Here I am talking about other people being articulate and intelligent. I can barely string a fucking sentence together. Um, I'll be back next Friday night with my guest, Daniel Whiteson, who's going to be talking to me about teleporting. He's a particle physicist. So that's going to be really interesting. Um, if you like these, uh, these shows, either the Fuck This Week editions which is just me talking about the news um or if you enjoy the guests that come on on a friday night um please do like subscribe give me a thumbs up drop me a comment if you really want to be helpful and supportive to the podcast um because it is completely independently produced it's just me doing this shit so um if you could uh well amazingly what would be incredible is if you uh, jumped onto the patreon which is patreon.com slash aid thompson um or just leave me a review on itunes um or uh tweet at me and just let me know that you've listened and uh, what you thought of the podcast and yeah i'll catch up with you guys next week for more of aid thompson and other disappointments thanks again cheers bye <laughs>